continuation of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger man said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went with his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has gotten him back safe and sound. And then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has now come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. And the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. Be glad, you righteous, and rejoice in the Lord. Shout for joy, all who are true of heart. Anthony probably got about four lines into that story, and you thought, prodigal son, got it. Yeah. Know this story. Yes. Which, if you've been to church more than probably four times in your life, you've heard this story before. 
It is a favorite. We tell it a lot. It is familiar. Prodigal son. Got it. I know what it means. And you're either thinking, oh, I love this story or, oh, that story. Uh, it is familiar and it's beloved with a good reason. Like, it's good news, right? Um, to hear that those who have gone astray and who are um, uh really fallen away and separated from God can come back anytime and and will be welcomed with open arms that God's going to run out and and snatch you up and and just love on you because you've come back to the fold like that's great news right um that story is about as familiar to me as a movie set in the inner city of LA all right uh, I can watch a movie about kids in inner city LA and think that's such a good story, but that's not my story. You know, I, I, I can sort of get to know the characters, but they're not characters in my life. Uh, the prodigal son is not my story. I, I had one year between college and seminary. I've been a priest for 15 years as of yesterday, you know. Uh, there was never a time, has never been a time in my life where I was the prodigal son. I just have never been through that experience. I've always been a part of the church. I, I was christened as an infant in the Presbyterian church, baptized as a Baptist in the Baptist church when I was eight years old, confirmed in the Episcopal church when I was 13. Like, I, y'all, I got it done. <laughs> Whatever the magic dust is, I, I got it at some point. And so I've never been through that experience. So the temptation for me is to um, say, oh, what is a lovely story? Uh, put it in glass and put it up on a shelf and say, but that's not the story for me. Oh. But here's the thing. Scripture begs for us to struggle with it. The same as the angel came and struggled with Jacob, right? That scripture says to us, ha, 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 not so fast, smarty pants. Don't think there's nothing here for you just because you assume to know what this story is about. So I spent some time with this parable anew this week, and I'm renaming it for the purposes of this sermon, The Lost Son. Right? It's this parable of the lost son. Uh, that message for the prodigal son is beautiful and it just makes my heart just so happy and I love it. Um, but there's another son in the story. There's the big brother um, who is not happy. Now, um, so when I say I have no connection with this story, um, I, like not, I have a big brother. Um, he does literally live on the family farm and tend the fatted calves. Like he, that's actually what he does. Um, but our similarities kind of end there you know, uh, to the story. In fact, I'm kind of more the rule keeper than he is uh, of the two of us, but he's still a pretty good rule keeper. Um, but, but that part of me is what makes the older brother, why I feel so bad for the older brother, because I'm a rule follower. I like the rules. I know what the rules are. I'm not going to take my inheritance and go to Las Vegas, gamble it away. The two times I've been to Las Vegas my whole life, Second time, I didn't gamble at all. First time, I played the penny slots. That was as, that was as much as I could do. That was as, as rich as I could get. Uh, just, I'm just not that person. Um, but the older brother, man, I dig you, older brother. It's not fair. It's not fair, older brother. Uh, daddy, you know. 
um, that this isn't the way it works. This is not how it works. Uh, we place a value on work. X, X is the value that our community places on this particular job. The number of hours and time you spend doing that job, you multiply by X, X times Y equals what you deserve to be paid. Does this sound familiar? It's called transactional economy and compensatory economy, right? You are compensated duly for the work that you do. Set by the community in which you live, you do the work, you get the money. By the way, this story, the, what we, the problems we have with this story are the same problems we have with the laborers in the vineyard story. That the laborer who worked only an hour got paid the same as the laborer who worked all day. Won't like that. That's not fair. Ah, so the parable of the lost son. My heart hurts for the older son, partly because I, I get him, um, and partly because he is the son who is lost. He's the son who is lost, and he's still lost at the end of the story. The younger son. The father calls him lost, but the younger son wasn't really lost. He just was away. He was gallivanting. He knew where he was. He just wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. Right? He wasn't really lost. He was lost to them. Um, but he physically was able to come home again and make that journey. Which when there's a physical journey, sometimes that's an easier journey to make, right? Like you can map it out, you can make it, you're there. The son who's lost at the end of the story is the older brother. Because he's lost in his mind. Which is a much harder journey to make. Because he is completely caught up in an economy that doesn't work when you're dealing with grace. In his mind, the way that the world works is I do X amount of work for X amount of pay, and that's called just and fair, right? That's just and fair and equitable pay. And we set this. And here my younger brother has come home. He has done nothing. Squat. And my dad throws this big party for him. Now, fine. But if I've been here 10 years, say, and he hasn't been here these past 10 years, therefore, zero years equals big party. What is 10 years equal? Where's my 10 times the big party, right? If that's the way we're going to do this, if that's the way we're going to play this, Dad, where is my party worth 10 times that much? Because I've been here the whole time. I've been working. I've been slaving away. We never speak in hyperbole, do we? I've been slaving away. Never once did you give me the fatted calf. Never once did I get to have fun with my friends. Son, you're lost. You're lost in your mind. You're lost in your perspective. You're lost. Remember, this is why this is so important. Remember that this story begins, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. Aww. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling. Who's the story really for? We read it for the sinners and tax collectors, and there's good news for sinners and tax collectors. But the story's for the scribes and the Pharisees. That's who the story's really for. 
Because it doesn't end with the younger brother, brother coming home and having a party. If the story ended there, it would be for the sinners and tax collectors. That's not where it ends. It ends with the disgruntled big brother who is still lost. That's where the story ends. That's who the story is for, for the scribes and the Pharisees. Because Jesus is trying to tell them that they're angry. The question is this, really? You're angry that people want to come? And understand what grace is about? Really? Because here's the thing. The father gave both brothers their inheritance at the beginning of the story. Don't miss that. Before either of them have paid their dues, the father splits it and divides it between them. Before either can earn their keep, the gift is given. The cross. The cross. We weren't born when the cross happened. Not by a long shot. The gift is given before we even take our first breath. The grace is already there. It's already been showered upon each and every one of us in abundance. In abundance. The Father says to the Son, Son, you've been with me this whole time. What is mine is yours. You've been here this whole time. We're celebrating because he's back. The scribes and Pharisees are angry. Because they're coming back. But they've been there this whole time. Jesus is saying to them, oh my gosh, are you really upset because someone wants to come home? You are lost, my friends. The scribes and Pharisees are lost in their own economy and machinations. They have forgotten that every day of their lives, their job is to be steeped in the word of God and holy scriptures. They are with God every single day, and they have forgotten. They have forgotten. They've already been given the gift and the love of God. And that every morning they get to wake up and say, Man, I'm so glad I'm part of this family. Man, I'm so glad I've been given this gift. Every day they've had the opportunity to do that, but they've forgotten. They're lost. They've lost their perception. They've lost their perspective. They've lost eyes to see the goodness of God because they're so caught up in their man-made economy. But I'm better than you. Want to make a bet? But God loves me more than you. That's not possible. Because if God gives each and every one of us unconditional, unrestrained, bottomless love, it's not possible to love one more person more than the other. You can't. When everybody begins with grace that is shaken down, beat down to overflowing, there is no more one over the other. There is only all of us living beautifully in this abundance of grace that is getting to be in relationship with God and the scribes and the Pharisees have completely lost it. They've lost their perspective. And here are, yes, these sinners and tax collectors who have been through the ringer, who have been living a hard time. It's a crisis that has brought them here. And they have come with eyes wide open and are found. Because they've come to Jesus understanding how hungry and how need of grace they are. The scribes and the Pharisees have no idea.
no idea. Jesus is so frustrated. Of course he's frustrated. People of God, you've been in the pews the whole time. So if we welcome someone who walks through that door, who hasn't been here in a very long time, and we're excited to see him, don't get bent out of shape. You've been here the whole time. You've been in the know. This person's coming back in the know. Isn't that a good thing? Yes, it's a wonderful thing. Something that you have known all along. So yes, it is the parable of the lost son. And the lost son is the greater temptation. His story is the greater temptation. I've never, never felt myself away from God's love. And that is dangerous. Because that means apathy and perspective, shifting. It means forgetting that I got the gift at the beginning and that somehow I must be working towards another gift, that somehow I must be earning more. It's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. So my friends, my friends, may we heed this story of the lost brother. May we be restored and renewed that as we already are at home and working on the farm, may we not slip into complacency and apathy. May we not forget and become lost ourselves. But may we wake up every morning and rush downstairs eager to kiss the Father and say, I am so glad I'm your child. Today I get to be your child again. Today I get to be found again. Today is worth celebrating because I haven't left and yet am found. Amen.